The Devil Within, the hit true crime podcast, is back with a terrifying journey into the mind of a madman. In the 1970s, New York City had it all. Hip-hop, punk rock, and the son of Sam. The Devil Within, a season in hell, is available now wherever you get your podcasts. Duke's Mail. Do you get it? Because only the ones that get it really get it. Your friends get it. Your mom gets it. Your grandma gets it. Your neighbors get it. Sometimes a dog gets it. Get out of there. What else? Uh, your potato salads get it. BLTs get it. Tailgates get it. And restaurants get it too. By now, even you probably get it. So get it today. Made without any sugar since 1917, Dukes is that little southern something that makes good things better. Get Dukes. It's got twang. This podcast may discuss topics graphic in nature and possibly triggering to survivors. We value the safety and well-being of all of our listeners. So please practice personal discretion. Now, enjoy the show. Hey, I'm Paige. And I'm Natalie. We're the hosts of the Murder Diaries podcast. We bonded over tacos and true crime after we matched on Bumble BFF. You know, like any normal millennial using an app to meet new friends. Every Thursday, we upload a new episode. In each episode of The Murder Diaries, we tell true crime one story at a time. One week, it's my turn. And the next week, it's mine. You still think it's in my head, but I'm walking with the dead. This week's episode will be the last of 2021. We'll be taking a three-week hiatus, but we'll be back in January with new stories. Today's case was requested by a number of listeners, including Ellie, Alex, and Bria. If you have a case recommendation, please email or DM us on Instagram. She was only walking home. The whole kidnapping took less than five minutes. She was handcuffed, and placed in the back seat of a rented car by a man who had sworn to protect and serve. She may be gone, but her impact will last a lifetime. That's because the days, weeks, and months that followed her untimely death forced the world to once again come face to face with the reality of violence against women. This is the story of Sarah Everard. Sarah is the youngest of Susan and Jeremy Everard's three children. She has an older sister, Katie, and an older brother, James. The Everards are long-standing York natives. Sarah and her siblings grew up in York, and her family continues to reside there to this day. She attended nearby comprehensive Fulford School, then went on to study human geography at St. Cuthbert's College at Durham University from 2005 to 2008, before moving to London and starting her career as a marketing account manager. Soon after, she moved to Brixton, an area that's been touted as a hotspot among young professionals like Sarah, who worked at several marketing and PR agencies since moving to London and graduated from senior account manager to group account director between 2009 and 2020, at least according to her LinkedIn profile. In February 2021, she started a new job at Flipside Group, which is a digital media agency based in Holborn. On her LinkedIn profile, Sarah describes herself as a, quote, a positive presence with a caring attitude. But Sarah was more than just the jobs listed on her LinkedIn profile. She had hopes and dreams 
for what should have been a long and bright future. According to her family, Sarah was saving to buy a house and was also looking forward to marriage and children with her long-term boyfriend, Josh Louth, who's a marketing director at a company that organizes trade shows called MA Exhibitions and lives not far from Sarah's flat in Brixton. In fact, they're about a couple of streets away from each other, not far at all. Plenty of friends and family have come forward to describe Sarah, but I think her mom, Susan, does it best. Susan describes her wonderful 33-year-old daughter as, quote, caring, funny, and clever. She goes on to say that Sarah was someone who, quote, was always there to listen, to advise, or simply share the minutia of the day. And she was also a strongly principled young woman who knew right from wrong and who lived by those values. She was a good person. She had purpose to her life, unquote. That brings us to March 3rd, 2021 a little more than nine months ago. At this point, the world is a year and change into the COVID-19 pandemic. And living the new normal is tough. I don't have to tell you, Paige, and our listeners what it's like. We've all been through it. However, I'm trying to set the scene of where Sarah's at mentally. London residents are in lockdown with strict stay-at-home orders. Some sources even say that Sarah wasn't technically allowed to visit friends' flats that night. However, according to a friend of Sarah's, she was struggling with all that time alone. Sarah wanted to get out of her apartment and see a friendly face. So she makes plans to visit a friend who lives two and a half miles away on a tree-lined street with multi-million pound properties on the edge of Clapham Common. On her way to her friend's flat, Sarah stops at a nearby store to buy a bottle of wine. She's captured on CCTV footage doing this which is how we know what she's wearing. She's wearing an aqua rain jacket with a pink undercoat, navy blue and white diamond patterned pants, aqua and orange sneakers, a white beanie, and a white mask. For those who don't know, London has an extensive web of CCTV cameras that we can thank for helping solve this case and many others. What a stark contrast this instance of being able to use CCTV footage is here in 2021, as opposed to some of the older cases that we've covered, including the 2006 case of Jennifer Kessie. Just 15 years ago, we had a case where you had a CCTV camera that took pictures every three seconds and caused us not to be able to see who was driving Jennifer Kessie's car. Again, stark contrast in 2021, we have been able to completely follow Sarah's footsteps. It's incredible. And I'm sure extremely helpful in this case. Around 9 p.m., Sarah leaves her friend's place and begins the short two and a half mile trek home, the same route she had taken earlier. It's well lit and populated and should have been safe. Unfortunately, we know now that a predator was hunting in the area. At 9.13 p.m., she called her boyfriend, Josh, and they talked for approximately 15 minutes. During that call, Sarah and Josh made arrangements to meet the next day, March 4th. A CCTV camera on Cavendish Road captured Sarah at 9.28 p.m., and four minutes later, a camera in a marked police vehicle caught her walking at 9.32 p.m. Both times, Sarah appeared to be alone without any sign of anyone with, following, or stalking her. All of that changed three minutes later at 9.35 p.m. A public bus passes by, 
and its camera records two figures. It's in black and white, but one person who we later learn to be Sarah is in light clothing, while a taller, bigger figure wears darker clothing. The two are on Pointers Road where they stand beside a white Vauxhall Astra. It's a type of vehicle. And that vehicle is parked on the north side pavement with its hazards flashing. Three minutes later at 9.38 p.m., another bus camera captures the same white Vauxhall Astra with its front doors open and those same two figures beside it. This was the last time Sarah was ever seen alive. When Sarah didn't show up to her planned meeting with Josh the next day and failed to return his attempts to get in touch with her, he knew something wasn't right. At 8 p.m. on March 4th, he went straight to the police. He let them know straight away that this was unlike Sarah. She would never leave him to worry like this. Sarah's case was initially classified as a missing persons case, but that didn't last long. Authorities did their due diligence, tapping into the local CCTV footage along her walk home from the night before. That's when they noticed something, or a lack of something, if you will. The CCTV footage from a real estate agent's office on the corner of the street where Sarah lived showed no sign of her passing or returning to her flat that night. Authorities then knew that a crime may have been committed. Therefore, Sarah's case was escalated to a possible crime and the Metropolitan Police, which is London's largest police institution, had their specialist crime unit take over. Sarah's family is then notified of the news and of course, they're distraught. They take swift action, banding together all of her aunts, uncles, cousins, and friends to help find Sarah. They do their own searches, but they also create a powerful social media movement where everyone changed their profile pictures on social media to, quote, find Sarah Everard. And also shared an illustration from artist Charlie Maxey, which says, please help find Sarah Everard. And this is just me talking as a true crime follower and consumer. I really believe this helped Sarah's case gain traction online and in the media. In fact, that's how I heard about Sarah's case. It's such a testament to the power of the media and the internet. If you think about it, this is a case that we heard about, but happened in an entirely different country, thousands and thousands of miles away. And we live in a country that has so many of its own cases. The fact that this broke through to getting tons of coverage here in the U.S. as well is such a testament to the media and social media campaigns. Despite her family and friends' efforts, the police still had no idea who or what they were looking for in Sarah's case. But the, quote, digital and data jigsaw puzzle, unquote, led investigators to the bus camera footage of that white Vauxhall Astra. And luckily, it had captured an image clear enough to reveal the number of the license plate. And now for a word from one of our sponsors. Is your daily grind getting you down? A Thermospas hot tub may be the solution. Just a few minutes under those powerful, soothing jets, and all your stress seems to melt away, like you're lying on a cloud of bubbles. You'll not only feel better, but sleep better too. Call 877-861-4672 now. And for a limited time, save $1,250. Call 877-861-4672 or visit thermospas.com to schedule a free on-site assessment. 
Is your daily grind getting you down? A Thermospas hot tub may be the solution. Just a few minutes under those powerful soothing jets and all your stress seems to melt away like you're lying on a cloud of bubbles. You'll not only feel better but sleep better too. Call 877-861-4672 now and for a limited time save $1,250. Call 877-861-4672 or visit thermospas.com to schedule a free on-site assessment. Investigators then input that license plate number into their databases and were brought to an enterprise in Dover. It's here that staff handed over details provided by the person who had rented the vehicle, including two phone numbers. Detectives ran those numbers through their databases and were flabbergasted to find that one of those numbers had been registered to a Mr. Wayne Cousins, who as it turns out, happened to be a serving Metropolitan Police officer. The investigation now had a prime suspect, one of their own. So who is Wayne Cousins? Of course, we're not going to spend a great deal of time investigating this, but there's a few things that have to be noted. He volunteered for the Territorial Army and was also a volunteer special officer for Kent Police from 2005 to 2009 and eventually rose to the rank of special sergeant. According to The Guardian, Wayne was first vetted more rigorously than the average new recruit. He was trained to carry a gun. And he first served for eight months at the high-security Sellafield nuclear site, where he was an armed patrol. The posting required that he had one of the highest levels of clearance, known as developed vetting. He then transferred to serve in Dungeness, Kent, to be closer to his family, which didn't require such a high level of vetting. The Metropolitan Police, or the Met, which I'll probably be referring to them as, then vetted him in 2018 when he applied to join their force. And they accepted. Three days before Sarah's kidnapping, on February 28, 2021, Wayne began planning his crime. He hired that white Vauxhall Astra from Enterprise Car in Dover, Kent. He also bought supplies that he would later use to bind Sarah, including a roll of self-adhesive tape strong enough to hold carpets down. That evening, some would say he even began to unravel himself. He went to a South London fast food shop where there was an incident of indecent exposure that was still under investigation at the time of Sarah's disappearance. Wayne's last shift as a Metropolitan Police officer was at 7 p.m. on March 2nd. He finished at 7 a.m. the next day and was not scheduled to be back at work for another five days. But he didn't head home. Instead, he went straight to Enterprise and collected the white Vauxhall Astra at 4.45 p.m. on March 3rd. And then he went straight to London to begin the hunt. Wayne then planned to use the knowledge he had gained from working on COVID protocols in January. And he planned on using his Metropolitan Police-issued warrant card to trick a victim under the guise of a fake arrest for breaching coronavirus guidelines. That's where Sarah and Wayne's stories intersect. We now know that Wayne did in fact use his warrant card to trick Sarah into a false arrest. In fact, a couple driving by witnessed Sarah being handcuffed, but they assumed it was a legitimate arrest and didn't think anything of it until days later when news of Sarah's disappearance hit the media. Once handcuffed in the back of the rented vehicle, Wayne then drove Sarah miles and miles to Kent, where his family owns a property. It's there that he sexually assaulted and murdered her, 
strangling her with his police belt. By 2.31 a.m., Wayne had left the scene and was spotted at a gas station buying drinks, a water and a Powerade type of drink. But he wasn't done violating Sarah. He visited the site where Sarah's body was dumped twice and left just before dawn. The next day on March 4th, as the search escalated for Sarah, Wayne bought gas, which he used to burn her body inside of a fridge. As the worry for Sarah grew amongst her family and friends, and even people like me who didn't even know her, Wayne returned to normal life. There's even a phone call, a recording of him talking to his vet about bringing in his dog for an appointment. It's amazing and appalling at the same time that he's able to just switch gears so effortlessly. On top of that, he even took his wife and two children on a family trip to the exact woods where he had burnt Sarah's body. Then on March 5th, Wayne reports to his work and says that he's suffering from stress, when in reality, he's covering his tracks. There's CCTV footage at a barbecue DIY store in Dover that shows him buying two green builder's bags for $9.94 at 2 p.m. The following day, March 6th, the excuses continue. Wayne emails his supervisor at the Met for the second time in two days this time stating that he no longer wanted to carry a gun. Except that same day, he ordered a 6 by 6 tarp and bungee cargo net from Amazon. Two days later on March 8th, the day Wayne was due back at work, remember he had a five-day break in between his last shift and the upcoming shift, he informed his supervisor that he was too ill to work. Again, we know this to be a lie. Meanwhile, detectives were working tirelessly around the clock to make an official move on Wayne because remember, they know he is involved somehow. He rented the car that was last seen with Sarah. The time finally came the following day on Tuesday, March 9th. Authorities descended upon Wayne at his Deal Kent family home at 7.50 p.m. Unfortunately, his phone had been wiped of all data moments before their arrival. However, that wasn't of any concern to them at that exact moment. They wanted, no, they needed to know if Sarah was still alive. Authorities were unwilling to waste any more time. They needed answers now. An emergency interview was authorized, meaning time was of the essence and there was no time to wait for a lawyer to arrive. That's when Wayne begins telling a bizarre story, all of which was captured on the arresting officer's body cameras. Wayne has then shown a picture of Sarah. And at first he denies knowing her, but he quickly changes his story and eventually comes up with a pack of lies that leaves the officers confused, bewildered, and skeptical. Wayne admits to these officers that he frequents sex workers and usually meets them at one of two cheap hotels in Folkestone and Kent. He then said that about a fortnight earlier, he had underpaid one of the sex workers, and that a gang had threatened him and his family in retaliation. Wayne continues that the gang told him he needed to deliver them, quote, another girl, unquote. And if he had failed to do so, they would harm him and his family. He further claims that this gang had then begun surveilling his home and he knew he had to do something. But this is where Wayne messes up. He starts mixing in partial fragments of the truth with his fabricated story. He tells police that he kidnapped Sarah off the street and drove her out of London, which we know to be the case. 
He then said that between 11 p.m. and 11.30 p.m. that same evening, he had been driving the Astra, which we now know. Wayne then told police that he had been flashed by a Mercedes van with Romanian plates. He pulled over on the shoulder and three Eastern European men got out of the van and took Sarah. Wayne continues his lie by describing the location and gives a description of the man to the police. However, authorities soon poke holes in Wayne's story. With Wayne in custody, police begin looking deeper into his background. And it's at this point that they find out that he and his wife had bought a small plot of woodland off Frid Lane in Ashford back in 2019. And wouldn't you know, his phone data also sparked interest because it had been pinged in that same area. Investigators began extensive searches in that area. And just before 5 p.m. on March 10th, a body was discovered. It was approximately 100 meters or 300 feet away from the area owned by Wayne and his wife. According to Sarah's sister, Katie, the Everard family wasn't allowed to see Sarah due to the violated condition of her body. Instead, they waited for two days for Sarah's remains to be identified via dental records and for tests to show how she had died. They had no idea if she had been burned alive or if it had been done post-mortem. Finally, two days passed and they had some answers. There wasn't any soot found in Sarah's lungs, suggesting that she had died before her body was burnt. There also weren't any drugs found in her body or trauma to her head, both of which suggest that Sarah was conscious during the entirety of her attack. However, Sarah's hyoid bone was broken and there were burst blood vessels in her brain which pointed to strangulation as the cause of death. According to Sarah's father, Jeremy, Sarah's body was so difficult to preserve that the family had to use the services of a specialist embalmer to enable a dignified burial. Months passed and the Metropolitan Police officially fired Wayne Cousin in July 2021. That same month, Wayne appeared in court via Zoom from Belmarsh High Security Jail. He pleaded guilty to Sarah's kidnapping, rape, and murder. The Met Police, Wayne's former employer, issued a statement just days before the convicted murderer's sentencing. The statement read, quote, we are sickened, angered, and devastated by this man's crimes, which betray everything we stand for. Our thoughts are with Sarah's family and her many friends. It is not possible for us to imagine what they are going through, unquote. While seemingly heartfelt and sincere, the Met Police have come under fire for their handling of Wayne's February 28th indecent exposure allegations at that South London fast food restaurant, the one I mentioned earlier. In fact, some sources say that there were two separate incidents, but I could only find details of the February 28th allegation, so that's what we're sticking with. Journalists and the public alike have posed the question of, could the Met have stopped Wayne before he escalated to murder? And that's something that they're still trying to find answers to. And now a word from today's sponsor. During Wayne's two-day sentencing hearing overseen by Lord Justice Fulford, Wayne now appeared in person. He sat with his head bowed and refused to look at any of Sarah's loved ones, like the spineless coward he is. In fact, Sarah's dad, Jeremy, addressed Wayne, telling him to look him in the eyes. Lord Justice Fulford described Wayne's crimes as, quote, grotesque, and that a whole life sentence for the kidnap, rape, and murder of Sarah Everard was warranted because of his abusive power 
and the fact that there had been significant planning and premeditation. This is because it turns out that Wayne Cousins' choice of victim was random, but the attack was planned. We now know that Wayne spent at least a month traveling to London from Deal Kent, where he lived, to research how best to carry out his crimes. And we also know what I mentioned earlier, that he had rented a car three days prior to her abduction. He had bought that tape to bind her. Everything pointed to premeditation. Susan, Jeremy, and Katie Everard then confronted this sick and twisted convicted murderer in court as they gave impassioned victim impact statements. While I won't be reading the statements in full, I'm going to share a small excerpt from Katie's that especially touched me. I encourage everyone interested to look up the full statements. It's clear that Sarah was loved beyond measure by every one of her family members. Each spoke eloquently, sharing what Sarah meant to them and how their lives have changed irreparably with her gruesome murder. Here's what Katie had to say. Quote, how dare you take her away from me? Take away her hopes and dreams, her life, children that will never be born, generations that will never exist. Her future no longer exists. The future I was supposed to live with my sister no longer exists. You have ruined so many lives. All those conversations we can never have. There were so many things I wanted to share with her. Trips abroad, being each other's bridesmaids, meeting her babies and being an auntie, growing old together and seeing who got the most wrinkles. We weren't even halfway through our journey and you took it all away. I feel like I live in a make-believe world as if nothing is real. I have to pretend because the thought of not having Sarah forever is too hard to bear. A lifetime now seems a very long time. End quote. It would be remiss of me not to acknowledge the impact Sarah's kidnapping and eventual murder has had throughout England and the world as a whole. The hashtag, she was only walking home, dominated social media feeds for weeks upon weeks. And I think I mentioned it earlier, but that's how I first heard about Sarah's story. And the public's outrage soon turned into protests around the world about violence against women. Participants shared their own stories of being followed, harassed, catcalled, and assaulted. Unfortunately, things have significantly quieted it down since Sarah's story first grasped the attention of the world back in March, only nine months ago. So I'm here to remind all of us, we need real change in order to stop violence against women, half of the world's population. And that change starts on the individual level. We shouldn't be asking why Sarah chose to walk home instead of getting an Uber, taxi, or whatever. Instead, we should be asking why. Why aren't women safe to walk home alone? Until then, rest in peace, Sarah. You may be gone, but you and your legacy will never be forgotten. I think between Katie's statement bringing us to literal tears and that powerful statement that you just made, it's the perfect place to leave this episode for this week. Until January, you know where to find us at the Murder Diaries pod on TikTok and Instagram, at the Murder Diaries pod at gmail.com and the Murder Diaries podcast.com. If you haven't already, go ahead and rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. It helps us keep the good content flowing. 
your five stars mean everything. And until then, stay safe. Bye. Bye. Is your daily grind getting you down? A Thermospas hot tub may be the solution. Just a few minutes under those powerful soothing jets and all your stress seems to melt away. Like you're lying on a cloud of bubbles. You'll not only feel better, but sleep better too. Call 877-861-4672 now. And for a limited time, save $1,250. Call 877-861-4672 or visit thermospas.com to schedule a free on-site assessment. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.